Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome you back to Sling the Biscuit. This is going to be episode 14 of Sling the Biscuit, the new Sling the Biscuit podcast. Joined by my new co-host in a new studio. Not a new co-host. he got a brand new studio. He's at the new Polo Park Energy 106 studio in Winnipeg. How are you, Dave Wheeler, my friend, my one-eyed bastard? And I'm getting kicked out of the podcast already. I'm being replaced next <laughs> week. What the hell? Yes. Uh, so for next week's podcast, um, this is, I guess, a little bit of a news update, I guess, to, to Dave and everybody listening. But uh, Rob Lalonde, Rob from Butt Ends, he, uh, he's actually coming to town tomorrow here in Motor City. And I said to Rob, I said, let's do an in-person podcast instead of the, uh, the Zoom stuff that we do every single week. So uh, Dave is here this week. Dave is gone next week. Rob was going to be in. And then Dave and I will resume business, as we always do every Sunday, the following week. Blame it on me. It's my fault. I got a <laughs> wedding to go to on Monday. And that works out perfectly for everybody. Yeah, it's Halloween. I'm, t- I'm taking Halloween week off. Well, speaking of uh, of lies, the two biggest lies in pro hockey, I was told this the other day. I thought this was fantastic. Two biggest lies. Checks in the mail, and you're only going down to the minors for two weeks. Biggest lies in pro hockey. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I've heard some doozies of stories. I think, I think we actually covered it once upon a time about uh, my buddy that was playing over in Russia. I've had guys in... Even in junior, there, there was a bunch of guys, a buddy of mine, that were playing out in the Rocky Mountain League that uh, literally had to camp out on their owner's front lawn uh, to get paid at the end of the year. <laughs> well, uh, my situation, I know we've talked about this a few times, and so I got my first ever pro paycheck last week, and we talked a little bit about what are you going to do with it. I wasn't sure. Dave had an idea. I said, hey, you should take the money, cash it, and go give the money away to homeless people. I thought that was a great idea. Turns out, and I hope, I pray to the good Lord that I don't get in shit for talking about this, but, so they made a mistake on all of our checks. There, there was like an incorrect number, uh, so something wasn't updated, so all the checks uh, are not valid, so they're giving us new checks again this week, so we're going to get two checks this week. So my first ever check isn't valid, and I'm going to frame it. I'm going to frame it as like, this was my first ever pro paycheck. The, uh, the one that didn't work? The one that didn't work, yes, because it was the first check. It didn't, it didn't cash, but it, it was the first one. Who's uh, who's making the checks over there? Leo DiCaprio from Catching If You Can with Tom Hanks. <laughs> uh, so we talked about this a couple episodes ago, but the way that it works in the league is so apparently we get paid every single week. Uh, my salary is one hundred twenty-five a week, seventeen eighty-five a day is the breakdown. Plus my per diem on the road, so I get about ten bucks a day cash on the road. And if I don't spend that money on food, I get to bank an extra twenty bucks in the weekends. It's awesome. But uh, so the team submits uh, paperwork to the league saying, "Hey, we owe Travel one hundred twenty-five bucks." The league then takes that, sends a check back to the team, and the league pays me, and then I have to go cash it. The problem is I don't have a U.S. bank account, so I got to you know convince one of the guys to go like cash my checks and give me the money. So I'm gonna have to take care of that this week for uh, for two uh, checks worth. Can't you just go to one of those predatory loan uh, places where they cash your checks for like fifty percent interest? I did think about that, but then I thought it's 125 bucks is gonna add up over the season. I think I'm gonna make about five grand if I stick for the whole season. So I want to try to pocket as much of that as I can without giving it away to a loan shark. Yeah, not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Just don't be like George Costanza where you uh, save all of the checks that you got from grandma growing up as a kid, then you bankrupt her in your 40s. <laughs> I actually did mention that to our GM the other day. I said, uh, if I wait till the end of the season and cash them like all together, is that going to be a problem? And he's like, I'd just rather you cash them now, to be honest, so we don't have to deal with that. And and it crossed my mind after I was like, 
I wonder if that would be a problem if I tried cashing like five grand worth of checks in one go as opposed to like 125 a week. Maybe, I don't know, maybe there's like too many transaction limits, but um, maybe we should probably stop talking about the league finances before I get called into the office. But we'll talk about this stuff. <laughs> okay, so, 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 so walk me through that again. So the, like, uh, the top left corner of your, of your paycheck, it's got the Federal League logo rather than the Rockers logo? Yep. Uh, the FPHL logo, FPHL banking information, the institutional numbers, and it comes from the league, and the, the league itself pays me. Interesting. All right. Well, hey, whatever. As long as the check clears, man. And it hasn't done that yet. So, you know, fingers crossed. <laughs> I, I hope it clears this week. I, I mean, I wouldn't mind getting my, I guess now 250, which is I think like 310, 315 Canadian. But hey, hopefully it'll uh, come sometime soon. Um, speaking of which, one thing I did want to mention is that you know, in the past couple of weeks, uh, the, the podcast has been really, really, really hot. And honestly, a lot of the credit has to go to Dave. I remember you know, the previous version of the podcast, the previous co-host, it was getting to the point where it was it was just becoming so stale. It was, it was hard to be creative and, and kind of like get the podcast to work. And then when the, the opening came up, I said to Dave, hey, do you want to help me? He says, sure. Great. I got my new co-host. And then Dave gave me this idea where he says, why don't instead of like interviewing, you know, different pros and all this other kind of stuff like I was doing before, why don't we just talk about what you bring to the table, which is like, I'm still playing competitive professional hockey. Like, let's talk about the Fed. Let's talk about all these experiences and these endeavors. And let's like see what we can do with them. And I say, okay, let's try that. And the podcast has been growing like crazy. I've said this every you know episode since I came here in Motor Cities that every week, the previous episode is the hottest episode we've ever done. Like on the Apple, the Spotify downloads has been insane. So if you're in the car listening on Spotify, if you're on Apple, if you're even on the YouTube video version here, I just want to say, Thank you so much to everybody for joining the podcast. If you're new, if you're coming from watching the vlog that went up earlier today, now you're watching or listening to the podcast, thank you. It's, it's a privilege and it's a pleasure because it's, this is honestly like my favorite thing to do every single week. Like when we hop on the Zoom call with Dave and I, when my Wi-Fi works because I don't have a phone plan and I'm too cheap to get a Wi-Fi router, uh, the podcast is my favorite thing to do every single week. And I, I love doing this with you. Well, believe me, I tell you, it, it's my pleasure to do it. But I, I, I think I, I know the culprit of uh, why the the podcast numbers boosted a little bit because when you went in the other night, the uh, announcers made it very clear. And here comes Clarvis Ridge, and much to the disdain of the fans out there, and he's a YouTuber and he's a podcaster, and he gave like he gave you a full thirty second plug. So I think uh, I think who, whatever team you're playing is going to be making sure that they follow the pod before and after the game. Well, you know, my favorite part about that was that he introed it as here. Here is podcaster and YouTuber. He didn't go YouTuber podcaster. I'm a podcaster first, YouTuber second. Which I was like, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Thank you for the plug. Well, it, it almost seemed like you were doing a celebrity boxing match or something. Like some of those a holes that go into the ring and they bring their laptop and they zoom themselves getting beat up by these pros and stuff. And I'm like, like when you say YouTuber, that that is a very you're getting painted with a very wide brush. You know what I mean? I try to tell people all the time that, like, although, like, I am making YouTube videos on the vlog channel, which, again, like the podcast, has been crazy hot. Like, the vlog's been doing numbers it hasn't done probably since the first, like, month or two when I went to Sweden for the first time. But, like, I love sharing my passion for hockey in collaboration with my passion for film, for travel, for all these, like, the little different, like, niches that I love and I'm, I'm really, like, obsessed about. And I share that in addition to playing hockey at the level that I do, which I also love. Like, there, there's so many things that I love doing. Um, and not just a YouTuber, not just a podcaster, also a, a goalie. Great uh, starting left bench for the Motor City Rockers. <laughs> have you have you gotten a roster about what your uh, your playing potential is over the next couple of weeks? Uh, no, that that hasn't been talked about. Actually, maybe we should kick into our our first topic of uh, my my first win. I know this is going to be the headliner for this week's podcast. My first professional win in North America, first in the Fed. Do you want to start off with that? 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It was uh, it was a hard fought win from what I saw in the highlights. Yeah, a lot of fights, a lot of action. I was thinking to myself, uh, so I, I've been getting like a lot of Instagram messages lately about people that have been like their eyes open to the Fed. They're like, this is like really good hockey. This is exciting to watch. I've never seen so many fights in my life, and, and I swear, Dave, every game we've played, we've played five so far. There has to be at least. Five to ten fights a night, like maybe maybe not ten, maybe a little bit dramatic and exaggerating, but like there's a lot of action. So if you miss the old school hockey, if you're tired of watching like you know the new school NHL, watch a Fed game. And then they're free; it doesn't cost you a dime. You throw on your NordVPN subscription, so you don't get like malware and like tracked. You go turn on the uh, like the live stream for wherever we're playing. You watch the game; it doesn't cost you a dime. You can order in, you can get takeout, have Chinese food, have whatever you want, and just watch a great game. And hockey is natural form. We're not going to sell you anything. We're not going to do any. Well, they, they do do some like chuckle puck and like intermission games, like uh, like in North America, but not like the the NHL. Like, I, I really think that if you're watching Fed hockey, it's really exciting to watch right now. Well, like I like I mentioned this on the podcast before, but the quality is good. The streaming quality is good. The announcers are good. Like it's not overmodulated. It sounds really good. But run me through what is the um, what is the fight rule? Like how many fights are you allowed in a game before you get tossed? So I don't know um, if there's like a limit for how many fights. I, I would assume there is, but um, that's a good question because we had two guys get tossed and ejected on uh, Saturday, one of which didn't even fight. Like they, they announced the guys who were thrown out of the game and, and Korgs, our, our boy who's related to Billy Corgan and the Smashing Pumpkins, he got tossed and we're looking around like Korgs didn't even fight. Cor- like Korgs wasn't even doing anything. Why did he get tossed? And I guess they got the wrong guy. And then one of our guys that did fight, didn't get a penalty. He just went right back to the bench and back in line for the next shift. So that uh, that was the setup there. Because I know they changed it. I, I I'll be honest with you. I don't even know what it is for the NHL anymore. But I think it was uh, my um, okay. So from what I remember, in junior, you got one fight, five minute major, and then your second fight, you were automatically ejected. Mm-hmm. I know in junior when I played. Keep in mind, this is like you know five six years ago, whatever it was. Um, I, there was a limit of, ooh, I want to say 10 fights in a year. If you had over 10, you got a five-game suspension. But, like, up oh, to wow. 10, you, you were good. Yeah, this is Junior B. Um, I, I don't know what Junior A was. I can't remember what that one was, but, yeah. Well, hang on. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because this brings me back to memories once upon a time of uh, Milt Stiegel. Milt Stiegel, who is a uh, former Cincinnati uh, Bengal wide receiver and played the majority of his career with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But he was being interviewed by Sean Churchill, who was a, a CTV broadcaster. And... Uh, they started getting into it in the locker room, and Stiegel turns around and says, have you ever played competitive sports? He's like, yeah, I played junior hockey. He's like, ooh, junior hockey. So a lot of Americans don't really understand junior hockey. Like, I think when they when you hear junior hockey, you think like minor hockey. Um, junior hockey is basically anyone from the ages of 16 to 20, and junior hockey in Canada has different tiers. There's uh, Tier 1, Junior A, which is your uh, CHL, your Western Hockey League, your Ontario Hockey League, your Quebec, uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Then you've got Tier 2. Now, the difference between Tier 1 and Tier 2 is Tier 1, is, as far as the NCAA is concerned, is, is considered semi-pro hockey. So for every year you play in the um, CHL, you lose an eligibility of NCAA. If you play Tier 2, you can play four years of Tier 2 hockey and go on to play in the NCAA. So that's why you see a lot of Canadian guys coming up, and they're usually between the ages of 20 and 24. because they've just finished off their junior career. Uh, after they're done playing minor hockey and going on to play uh, junior hockey, and it's um, after tier two, uh, there there's junior B. There there are some leagues uh, like back in the '90s where junior C in Ontario, there were guys getting drafted into the later rounds into the NHL. So there's 
numerous tiers. Like even here in Manitoba, there's uh, Junior A Tier 2. There's Junior B, Major Junior, which is more of a compressed city league of junior players, guys that w- still want to play competitively but want to work. It's uh, a lot of, as we talked about last week with the whole relegation thing, like there's there's a lot of junior hockey in Canada, and uh, it's uh, it's good hockey and still a chance for guys to play. Yeah, and one thing worth mentioning too, um, I, I know that this is slowly kind of changing how um, the NCAA is becoming a more and more popular route. When when I was junior eligible, it was that if you signed a CHL contract, you're automatically ineligible. Like, it didn't matter if you played a minute, you know, 100 games. If you signed that contract, you were immediately ineligible for the remainder of your life to play NCAA. Now you have guys that, that are fighting that, and maybe they signed a contract they didn't play. They redshirt a year. Maybe they played a preseason game or two. Uh, there, there are a lot of guys who have played CHO games that are fighting that and are getting into the NCAA because I do believe the college route is becoming more popular than the CHL route. But that's just uh, one thing worth noting. Well, and, and, and I remember it was uh, when I was going through that period, it was uh, you're okay to go to camp, you're okay to get drafted, but the second you play an inter-squad game, the second you play an inter-squad game, one year of eligibility is gone. Yeah, so it's slowly backing its way up from the inter-squad games to the signing to, okay, if you played a little bit, we can redshirt you for a year. And, and yeah, they're, they're slowly making its way back because I do believe people are starting to realize how good NCAA Division One hockey is and even you know D3 to an extent and that that is the route to allow kids to develop more as opposed to in junior where you come out of 20. It's like, okay, are you ready for pro? You better be because this is it. Well, not only that, but with the NCAA, especially in NCAA football, the way they're going to start allowing players to make revenue off of their uh, off their uh, jerseys and whatnot. I mean, now you're kind of it's, it's it's the pot calling the kettle black. You know what I mean? If they're going to be calling the CHL, the WHL, OHL, and QMJHL, if they're going to be calling that semi-pro, I mean, there's an argument to be made that there could be some players in the NCAA that are making more money than some of these guys playing on the Western League. Absolutely, with different endorsements and brand deals and, and all the uh, all the stuff. Like the NCAA has changed so much in the last couple of years. It's interesting. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on that, but it is very, very, very interesting. And uh, that was also a comment that I did see recently. Somebody asked, what is the college makeup of guys in the Fed, and specifically my team? Most of the guys on my team are NCAA Division three and or studs at ACHA Division one. I. I could be wrong. I know a bunch of the boys listen to the podcast, so they hear this, and then on Monday they'll probably, hey, Trav, you know, I actually played NCAA Division One, just so you know, or, or something along those lines. But that is the the general makeup of of uh, the Fed and, and my team specifically. Nice. Okay. Well, it's good. You got some educated boys on your team. That's good to see. Mm-hmm. We do. Uh, and speaking of which, let's uh, let's educate you on uh, the first career win. Some of the, the amazing stories. I think that so we talked about last week using some of the, the live stream clips from the actual like broadcast for the vlog. And I did that for my first win, which I, I'm just about finished doing the video and going to have it ready to go for this coming Sunday. Obviously it'll be up live now at the time you listen to this podcast. But um, I would say looking back at Saturday's game has got to be one of the most exhilarating. Like I, I just get like chills watching the clips, just like how exciting the game was and, and to kind of paint a picture for you. So we're on the road this past weekend going from uh, basically Detroit to New York State in Watertown. It's uh, about an hour and a bit outside of Quebec City, I believe. That was correct, Dave? Yeah, yeah. So uh, like I said in the last, last podcast, you were closer to uh, Justin Trudeau than you were to the New York Yankees. <laughs> Which is something we don't like to hear, but it is what it is. Um, so anyway, so our bus trip. So we left around midnight, I think, on Thursday night. Well, I guess it would have been technically Friday morning. So we left at midnight, and then we rolled into New York around 9.30-ish, 9.30 in the morning, stopped at Rotten Ronnie's, grabbed a quick bite. A couple of guys got some egg muffins, a couple you know, chicken McChizzlers, a couple coffees, and then we headed down to the rink. 
Uh, got there, I think, around 10. Morning skate for 10.45. No, the, the first speed bump uh, of the whole process. So in the Fed, at least with our team, I don't know about the other teams, but like we don't pack our bags. So like our equipment staff take care of everything. So like come road trip, I show up when, you know, so let's say the bus leaves at midnight. I show up at 11.30 p.m. My bag is packed. It's ready to go. Everything's there. I just got to grab my bag, put it on the bus, sit my ass down, and that's it. Like it's very like almost like first class kind of like I've never had that before. And it's like very, very humbling. It's like, wow, like these guys really do take care of us. Like it's awesome. But so we get to the rink. I'm getting dressed. We're in a little bit of a pinch because, you know, bus was a little bit late coming in the morning skate, only 45 minutes before to get a warm up in and get ready to go. And I can't for the life of me find my knee pads. And if you're not a goalie, essentially uh, I wear knee pads underneath my actual leg pads because like, I have a narrow butterfly. It's a JS Chagir, Francois Lair, James Reimer special where uh, my, my knees are tighter together. I expose them so the puck will hit my knees. I won't get like a broken kneecap from having the knee pads on and I can cover and have a, a favorable rebound, right? And sometimes like like I have a skate cut on my knee from when I was like 13 for like a, a skate coming and like slicing my knee open. I started wearing knee pads after that. So like, I need to have knee pads for protection and I can't find them. And I, I go to our equipment staff. I'm like, hey guys, do you know where my knee pads are? And one of the guys is like, well, I guess it's probably back in a locker room somewhere in Michigan. So I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? Like to me, a pair of knee pads is like having skates. Like I need, like I will not play without knee pads. So I'm looking around, I'm thinking like, what can I do? What can I do? I could put towels on my knees. Ah, that's not going to work. So I bumped into the Watertown Wolves team president and GM, shout out Curtis. And I told him what would happen. And he says, brother, I'm going to go home and I'm going to give you my personal set. And I was like, are you seriously? Like in the Fed Zeno, I come to this man in a time of need and he's willing to go home well, while he and he was on the phone, I guess he was talking to somebody. He he dropped the phone call, finished up, and went home. Got a, a set of knee pads, came back and gave me his own personal set, so I could practice and be ready to go for morning skate. Like Curtis showed it to you that that is an absolute class act I've ever heard of in the Fed, and, and that was awesome. Um, very different from my knee pads, but the fact that I had anything was just like that was awesome. So wow. I, I know, right? And especially like in the Fed, where like guys are like scratched and clawing for every inch they can. It was very refreshing to see that like, he was so, and he didn't even hesitate. He's like, oh, I'll just go home and I'll get my set. I got a set for you right at home. I'll just be, I'll be back in 10, 15 minutes. Boom. Had a new set. That's, go- that's goalie camaraderie right there, man. Yeah. And that's karma. Like, I, I hope that, you know, Curtis gets some good karma coming up. Hopefully not like against us, but like somebody else or like somewhere else in life to get some good karma. Cause that was, that was really awesome. I really appreciated that. Well, it's funny you say that because when you said this is the first time you've ever had somebody pack your bag for you, and I, goaltenders are more often than not creatures of habit and just need things a certain way, and things are a little bit different, and you need to admit that that's a thing. There's some psychological issues there, but I kind of I, I was thinking to myself, like, were you okay with that? Like, was there any point where you're on the bus going, I hope they remembered everything, I hope they didn't forget anything? Our our equipment staff are so dialed in with everything. Like, I I have like a lot of confidence in them, but actually. Um, like there's only two of them, so like when you keep when you factor in like you got two goalies, you have like all these extra roster players, like it's a lot of stuff to remember. So the fact that like they only forgot my knee pads or like they, they misplaced them or whatever, like that's like there's a lot of things that like they, they got right and a lot of work done. So like it's kind of a miracle like more mistakes weren't made. And I'm not saying that like I would expect them to make mistakes. I'm just saying like they have a lot of things to do in a short period of time. They do a great job and like they're just like machines or dialed in. They don't make mistakes for the most part. But we recovered. We got the knee pads and, and our equipment trainer. He says to me, he's like, dude, I'm so sorry. I, I, I apologize so much. And I'm like, dude, we got a set of knee pads. We're good to go. Like, 
no harm, no foul. As long as coach isn't pissed off, which he wasn't because I was ready to go. I was actually, I beat some of the guys out to morning skate. I was ready on the ice before some of the other guys. I was like last two or three, but like no harm, no foul. We're good to go. Um, so uh, I get out there, morning skate's fine. Come back to the hotel, have our nap, lineup set up for Friday. I got scratched Friday night. Uh, our, our other goalie ends, ends up going in. Uh, shout out Scotty, Blake Scott. He was backing up on Friday night with the Babs. We end up losing one nothing in overtime. Come Saturday, I'm going to be honest, I wasn't really expecting to back up. I thought I'd be scratched again just for the whole road trip. And uh, come game time, coach is like, hey, uh, you're back in. You're, you're backing up tonight. I was like, okay, great. That's, that's awesome. So uh, I'm backing up. Game starts. You know, it, it seemed almost like uh, it was the opposite of the night before. The night before, it was like one nothing in overtime. And uh, Saturday night, first shot, first goal. I think it was like 2-2, uh, like four or five minutes into the game. It was kind of crazy. And then things kind of settled down a little bit. It's about 18 minutes left, 17 minutes left, or sorry, 18, 17 minutes into the first period, and an all-out line brawl. Uh, right off the face-off, one of their guys jumps our guy from behind, starts suckering him. Our guys come in. Everybody's fighting everybody. Everybody's hitting somebody. And uh, so their team captain, this is a little side story I'm going to tell you here. So uh, shout out, I think, I, I hope I don't screw up his name, Charlie Penns Jr., I think it was his name. He comes up to me in warm-up and he says, Hey, Trav, I got a question for you. And I said, what's that? And I have no idea who he is at this point in time outside of he has a C on his jersey. And he says, why does everybody hate you? And and at this moment, (laughs) at this moment in time, I'm prepared to just take an absolute verbal assaulting from him. So I was like, well, I have to humor him a little bit. And I said, well, I'm not very good looking. But as far as the rest goes, I'm kind of just as confused as you are. And then he actually had some nice things to say about me. He said, hey, keep doing what you're doing. It's great for the league. Great for, you know, thanks for, you know, having, helping us get, you know, people out here to the game. It's awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm like, wow, like what a, what a nice guy. Have a good luck. Good luck tonight. I hope you have a great game. And then fast forward to, back to the brawl. Uh, he jumped one of our D-men. He was like suckering him from the video that I saw. And then our goalie Babs gets in there. Uh, so that's question. That's questionable. By the way, what I saw is that the fight had kind of ended and he just kind of continued. And that's when your goaltender jumped in. But it, it, it from what I remember, and it, there was a lot of melee and chaos going on, but it it looked like they had squared off for the most part. But he just your boy got the raw end of the deal at the end. He absolutely did. He got suckered, and then so Babs gets in. So Babs, our goalie, our starting goalie, is is squaring off with their captain with the ref in between. You think okay, the refs in between, everything's all safe. No, Babs doesn't care. Babs is swinging for the fences between the ref, and he's like making contact, boom, right in the face, boom, like, like Conor McGregor, like boom. Just gonna wrestle my knuckle out of your orbital bone, that kid. Like, great fight. And then, so, as, like, the second he makes contact with his face, I look behind me, I look at coach, and I say, Yeah? He says, Yep. So I know I'm going in right away, right? So that we, we kind of have that. And so, you know, 10 minutes later, all the penalties get sorted out. I go into the game. Uh, my first real experience, because, you know, uh, the last game I played, I only got like a minute and 14 at the end. And so that they, I, I knew, Dave, I swear to God, I knew they were gonna do this the second I got into the net, because all, all of a sudden, crowd kind of started getting a little bit antsy they started to kind of chirp me having everybody had something to say so they dumped the puck in on me i cover it and this guy on their team comes in full speed snows me as hard as he can like boom like snow like full-on like shower like i hadn't showered today i needed a shower kind of deal and all hell breaks loose again bedlam in the watertown forum uh so that's taken care of i knew they're gonna snow me first shot First goal, low blocker, wasn't really happy with it, but then we ended up coming back. We're kind of crawling back and forth. They score, we score. They score, we score. And then so it ends up being, I think, 5-5 going into the third period. They score again, 6-5. We score, greasy one. 
at the doorstep, 6-6. Three minutes left. We bury one. We're up 7-6, and we're like, boys, this is our first lead of the night. This is great. Three minutes left. We're leading. Like, what more do you want? A minute left in the game. We toss a pizza right over the glass. Penalty. Down five on four. Not a big deal. And then immediately, like five seconds later, one of our guys, I think they took down one of their guys driving the net, five on three for 58, 59 seconds. They pulled a goalie, six on three for a minute. And for me personally, there's a couple saves I made over the course of the game where I was like, okay, I think things are going to go well. I think things are going to be fine. Before the penalties, I was kind of like, I don't know. It might be kind of helter-skelter because we're kind of even strength. But like as the penalties started rolling in, I felt, at least in my mind, I knew what I had to do, and I had to play good rebound control hockey. And I think the the three guys on the ice knew, hey, we got to play defense, and we're going to win this game. And you know, Watertown threw, I think, five or six shots at me in the last 30 seconds, stopped them all, got a little bit lucky too, had a a nice little bounce off my hip. The puck kind of squeaked through the crease, past the, the, the post, and we ended up winning. We ended up winning. Time expires. Now, uh, all game, the, the, the people in Watertown were just chirping the shit out of me. Like, the I, I don't know what it is. I could hear everything that these people were saying They, from comments about my beautiful girl, who's the most beautiful girl in the world. I have you know, I got the best girl in the world. But uh, they, they disagreed. They, they had some choice words to, your mother doesn't love you. You got an ugly face. The podcast is terrible. Thanks for listening, by the way. And the vlog, the vlog is shit. You're gonna you're gonna choke. Some I heard some guy yelling. You're you're gonna blow it, Trav. It's gonna be all your fault. And, I, and I'm hearing this, but I'm like, I've heard it all. Like, dude, like you should see my Instagram messages every morning. Like, I've I've heard all of this before. Like, I skate to the corners, and there's these like fat old dudes flipping me off. Like three of them. Like, give me the finger, and I just hear like, "F you, Trav. F you. You suck. I hate you." I'm like, my God, I'm just gonna skate to the other corner now instead. So <laughs> these these people are chirping. Oh, I me. love this. And I agree or disagree, Dave. The best thing to do, especially as the, the visiting team in, in a sold-out barn, you just ignore them, don't make eye contact, and carry on with business, true or false. Oh, you, you, the best thing you can do is get a W. Exactly. And the second the clock went down, the fans were building this like beer can pyramid against the glass. It, it, it was huge. They had to have at least, I'm going to say, 50 cans stacked up for this beer pyramid. And I don't know what came over me. The first thing I did when the, when the buzzer went, I turned around and I jumped all a hundred or 210 pounds of me, probably 260, 270 with gear on. And I launched myself into the boards. I knocked the whole beer can pyramid over and I went out to the glass. And I think the, the first thing I said was pick it up, pick that up, pick that up. And then I turned, then I turned around, I'm hugging the fellas and the guys are all excited. And then they're giving us the finger. They're flipping us off. And then our guys are getting into it. They're fans. And it, it was a, it was a night to remember. It's a night I don't think I'm ever going to forget. And then, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. When you, when you said your fans, do you guys have like a booster bus that follows you on the road? Oh, we we had literally zero fans in the building. It was 100 percent Watertown fans. We do not have a booster bus at all. Uh, so like we were getting in, like our guys were getting into it with their fans because their fans were saying more choice words and you know giving us the finger. And obviously our guys don't appreciate that. But uh, and also I'll have you know this too. My woman was surprised when I told her this. They have security at the games. Like they probably had, I'm going to say about five security guards, like for like our entrance, for like when we we leave the ice and for like where our room is. Because, as you can imagine, things can get pretty hairy from time to time, and you, know, you gotta you gotta take care of that. Let's take a quick break. Is real music dying? What even is real music, and who are we to judge that? Well, my father is a lifelong musician, and together we've been making music for over a decade. 
In our new podcast, we dare to ask the urgent, the weird and the deep questions. And we have a lot of wild stories to tell. No matter what genres you enjoy, whether you're a musician, a producer or a listener, we invite you to discover unconventional perspectives on music. So tune in and go follow Mad Makings of Music wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, now compare it because you played junior B in Manitoba. Compare it to uh, going up to Pegwas. Is it similar to that? No, I did not get sunflower seeds thrown at me. I did not get chew spit thrown at me or chew spit bottles. But they did say a lot of mean, nasty things. So if I had to pick, I'd probably rather you verbally harass me than throw bottles of chew spit at me in Pegwas, Manitoba, or the Paw at the uh, the Res Dome in Ocean. All right, so going going back to the captain and the way he came over to you, you handled that a lot better than I would have because the first thing I would have said when he says, "Hey, why doesn't why does nobody like you?" I would have followed up with your sister. I had no problem having breakfast with me this morning. <laughs> Just saying, you know, fight fire with fire. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that um, if if we're being very like realistic about this, I think that there there's like this um, this like stigma in, in the league almost against me that like guys don't like me because like what I'm doing like it's very like against the grain like the idea of like filming yourself being honest and sharing that online like, like a lot of guys don't like that and I understand that there's going to be a lot of guys in the fed that don't like that but at the end of the day like I'd like to think I'm just like a guy who loves hockey I like to think I'm pretty friendly and like I'll take a couple chirps for it I'll I'll wear it because at the end of the day like I just love being here and I'm happy to be here like I don't want to get into fights like like I, I just want to play hockey. Like guys were asking me too, like, like, are you going to get into fights this season? Do you want to fight this? Do you want to do this? I did jiu-jitsu all summer, man. I was doing jiu-jitsu three days a week. That was my fights. I love that stuff. I'm not looking to get into brawls on the ice. I get paid seventeen eighty-five a day to stop pucks for the Rockers, not to, you know, wrestle my orbital or my knuckle into their orbital bone. I can't wait to see you get somebody in an arm bar right in the middle of your <laughs> crease during a line brawl. I was actually thinking about that the other day. I was like, if I got into a fight, would I go for like a sweep? Like, like would I sweep the feet and try to like get a submission right away? No, the refs would probably jump in and tell me you can't do that, Trev. And I get like a suspension. I'll, I'll tell you what my father always said when it came to fighting. Uh, you know, when I got home, he'd be like, Dad, see my fight? And he's like, the stupidest thing you did was A, drop your stick, and B, drop your gloves. Those are two of the best weapons you had on you, and you got rid of them and started punching a guy with your bare knuckles. How stupid are you? No, I think personally the best weapon that you could use is sheath underwear. What do you think, Dave? Oh my goodness! I have a wedding coming up this Monday on, or actually, uh, yeah, on Halloween. So I guess uh, tomorrow, by the time this pod comes out, Halloween, buddy of mine, the Sad Jaguar, getting married. I am going to make sure that that is my armor that I have gotten the sheath underwear underneath the suit. You're going to be well protected at the wedding this weekend. By the way, the Sad Jaguar is one of the, uh, I guess, part-time co-hosts for Dave's morning radio show, which we'll get into a little bit later. However, the team at Sheath Underwear have pioneered the greatest piece of underwear on the planet and gentlemen you listening if you're on the apple spotify or if you're watching the video version i'm wearing my sheath underwear right now and if you ask the fellows in the locker room they only see me in sheath underwear you got sheath underwear logos on my pads because it is the greatest thing money can buy and i'm going to tell you why sheath have pioneered the dual pouch and the dual pouch is a compartment that segregates your twig and your biscuits so that they breathe they're compartmentalized they're separated and they are not stuck to the side of your leg whether you have a east-west or north-south problem as Dave likes to call it sheath underwear is designed to help you stay aerated stay comfortable stay cool and not get sweaty there's there's literally nothing worse 
in my previous experiences than when you're going to go for date night and you are so sweaty in between the legs and it's like, how could I, how could I ask her to do anything here? I can't. But if I'm aerated, I'm compartmentalized, I'm feeling cool, I'm going to smell great, and the Sheath Underwear team is going to help you do that. you got to go to the video link in the description, go to sheathunderwear.com, use the code BISKIT69, B-I-Z-K-I-T, 69. It's going to get you 20% off the best underwear money can buy. And thanks to the amazing folks at Sheath. They are the presenting sponsor for the podcast. They were the first sponsor and the only sponsor that was willing to hop on the podcast when it rebooted back in July. And it is a pleasure and a privilege to work with Sheath every single week and advertise for the greatest underwear on the planet. What do you think, Dave? By the way, my uh, my wife may or may not have been perusing the website for some of those bralettes. Ooh, and what did she think? Oh, she's uh, she's on board. She wants to give them a go, and she said she's even willing to come on and do a live review. <laughs> you know what we need to do? I need to send Robert a message and say, listen, Dave is married to a Playboy model, a 10 out of 10. We need to get her in the sheath bralette, in the, in the bright red. I'll tell you this. Sorry, not to go a little bit too off topic. My girl has the sheath package that we got sent out to her. Dave... I am so goddamn frisky when she puts on the sheath bralette. Sorry, a little brain fart there. I'm getting so obsessed. But yeah, my, my girl looks great in the bra on the bra or the bralette. Says she doesn't even know what's on. It looks great. Looks comfy. Said it's comfy. And uh, yeah, you got to get it. You got to pick it up. We got to get your uh, your wife a set. I got to uh, I'll send Robert a message, uh, email after this. And we'll try to get Candace a, a set. We got we, we got it all covered from top to bottom. Sheath underwear. The best in the game. The absolute best in the game. The post-game speech, though. From coach, I think was the best one. So uh, after we, you know, we dealt with all the fans, we walk back down the tunnel, we get to the room. Everybody's excited. We just won our second game of the season too. Like keep in mind, like we would have lost this one. We would have been like one and four in the season. Kind of a tough start. I think we would have been like second last in the league. Now we got a big win, a road win, despite all the adversity. By the way, most of us were still trying to get the Olive Garden out of our system from like pregame meal. And I know that me personally, I I told coach, I said, like when we sat down, we had the unlimited salad. And then we had the chicken parmesan. I said, Coach, I'm telling you right now, we are only renting this. We are not actually buying a pregame meal. And I, you can quote me on it. And during the game, it came to fruition. It came true. So, Man, I'll be honest with you. You know, earlier in the, in the, in the pod, you said that this is kind of like a more old school uh, uh, version of hockey. The fact that you guys are carb loading at Olive Garden goes, that, that that's old school hockey too. <laughs> I don't know if I, if I should say this, but... Uh... Uh, coach mentioned the pregame meal. He says, you know, I've been telling our, our ownership group, I says, if we get more money for better food, better food gets better performance. And I'm like, yeah, like that's right. And and, and listen, the team absolutely takes care of us on the road. Like the um, uh, like post-morning escape meal, taken care of. Dinner after the game, taken care of. Lunch, everything was taken care of. I, I literally did not have to spend one penny this weekend on food because the team takes care of us so well. But uh, the, the Olive Garden is a little bit uh, kind of ironic that you know it's the olive garden of all places you know what i mean so uh but i, I will say the salad was pretty good i do like the dressing they have on the salads but anyway they, they still line up for the olive garden on portage avenue here in winnipeg every weekend when it opens man <laughs> uh but so af- after the game coach gives a pregame speech everybody's excited we, we just won and coach says you know I, I don't really know where to begin we got a guy you know shout out Cade landon our, our smallest guy on the team is like five foot six the guys that got a uh, uh, two goals in the night absolute beauty batted a puck out of the air for a 3-3 goal shout out to him shout out to the team obviously I got my first win but he says fellas there's nothing else to say other than I'm buying beers tonight and we went nuts we were ready we we got all the gear off loaded up the bus and uh, we had an awesome bus ride home we got home I think around like 8 in the morning the next day but what a what a road trip what a 
first ever win, first experience in the Fed. Also, I have I still haven't even had my first start, technically speaking. So that hopefully will be coming up sometime in the near future as well. But do, but you get the credit for the W on that one, do you not? Yes, I am one and zero. I'm undefeated in the Fed in the Fed Zeno. Did you get the puck? I did get the puck. I actually um, I, I got so obsessed with knocking over that beer can pyramid that I forgot about the puck. And when we were walking to the room, it crossed my mind. I was like, oh shit, I probably should have got the puck because like I I had the puck and I just let it go when I jumped in the crowd or jumped in the stands and <laughs> our team trainer he comes up to me he's like hey Trav here's your puck here's the first game puck I'm like yes so I got my first win puck that's going to get framed up probably my first ever paycheck and we'll be rolling frame them together put them together man I was actually thinking I, I should do like a I should frame my jersey at the end of the season put the check in there put the puck and then there, I can just put that up for like a, like a nice like man cave office with my uh, with my lady in Vancouver when we settle in in the, the summer. When you, uh, depending on if you come back here to Winnipeg or not, there's a great place up on Main Street called Ashton Galleries that I've getting been stuff uh, uh, framed for years, and they they've done some really wacky stuff. Like I'm talking like Foo Fighters laminates of shows that I went to, and drumsticks from Taylor Hawkins, and tickets, and yeah, they're really creative. So they they can they, they can get the logo in there, and believe me, they'll do it right for you. Yeah, let's let's swap the information afterwards. I'd really like to look into that because that, uh, like, for my man cave office, like my like my, my lady and I, we've been talking about uh, we're gonna get a place in Vancouver, hopefully uh, towards the summer or whenever when when things kind of settle down and we get kind of comfortable, like you know, being together for a little bit longer time. And I told her like the man cave office has to have you know frame jersey, all the kind of stuff. That's my only request. She's taking care of all the decorations. She, she's really into all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited for that for the man cave office and also for more time with her. Well, that's a, well. That's one thing they do in the NHL is after you score your first goal, not only and, and keep this in mind because you can probably download it from the website. But guys that scored their first goal in the NHL, uh, not only do they they frame the the game sheet for you, they put the date on it. Like they do a really nice presentation for players that get their first del- their first uh, goal in the NHL. Yeah, I've seen some guys get like like the whole care package. They get the jersey, like they keep the jersey for months, get that frame game sheet, like you mentioned, like all that kind of stuff. Like they, they do a real deal, obviously. You know, we have a little bit of a different budget in the Fed than obviously in the yeah. in the NHL, but you know, it's it's still nice. By the way, if you had your choice, would you prefer to uh, do would uh, go what you went through uh, in in Waterton with the fans, or be at home at Rogers Center in Vancouver and have uh, your fans throw jerseys on the ice and boo you off the ice <laughs> after your ninth loss in a row? <laughs> we were actually talking about that wow. in the locker room. Um, you know, you know what? Vancouver's an awesome place, but probably dealing with that and all the fans heckling would not be fun. I will say, though, I get, I get chills thinking about this. Our walkout song in Motor City is uh, Ba Wada Ba by Kid Rock. The Ba Wada Ba da Bang. He's what, a Michigan what, boy. That makes sense. What a song. And it just it, and they play it on like full blast with the lights out and like the, the light show going on. It's It just get, it gets me excited just thinking about it right now. I really want Kid Rock to come to a game. Like If he did the national anthem, I know we have like a national anthem guy. But if, if somebody in the podcast has a hookup to Kid Rock, let me know because I would love to have Robert Ritchie come to a game. God bless. Dude, without a cause. You, you have a hookup. Your buddy Corgan. Get him to call his Uncle Billy and get Uncle Billy to call Kid Rock. Oh, uh, we we released Korgs today. So, oh, uh, well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's that kinda, sucks. That's kind of tough. I don't think he's going to probably text me back if I texted him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, hey, it was. Uh, you were good for one story, Corgan. <laughs> hey, he was a really good player. I guarantee he's going to get picked up by somewhere else. He's a, he's a really really talented player in, in all seriousness. But uh, Corks, if you are listening, please uh, ask Billy to ask Robert Ritchie if he wants to come to a game. I'd love to meet Kid Rock. I love Devil Without a Cause is one of my favorite albums of all time. Though just oh, 
Well, listen, since we're talking music, we, we, we talked about this, that, that we are going to, uh, we hooked this on the last podcast, but the, uh, the story behind uh, your mask and the artwork this year. Yes, yes, we, we should uh, finish that up, uh, finish that as a finishing note here. Um, so I have always been a huge Nirvana fan, a huge Kurt Cobain fan ever since, uh, I mean, I've, I've known who Kurt Cobain was for, for like years and years and years, but like I really started like taking an interest into him probably when, probably when I was I was 19, like right when I turned like 19, 20-ish, and just like the, um, I think just like a universal truth of like, life kind of sucks, realistically speaking, if we're being honest, and Although he was able to, you know, amount, amount millions of dollars and, and a lot of success in a very short period of time, he still had the same problems that everybody else did. And he was very honest and very upfront about them. And I, I just found something about that so relatable and just so like, it hit home for me. And although, you know, he killed himself, you know, two and a half years before I was even conceived or, or born. That's still, still debatable for the record. I was going to say that is a conspiracy theory that maybe somebody in the comment section wants to go off on. But at face value... You know, he he killed himself, and that was two and a half years before I was even born. Still to this day, like, I, I, I feel like I almost, like, I know him on, like, a personal level. Just, like, listening to music, watching interviews. Like, he feels like a personal friend, although in on reality, obviously, he's not. Um, and, and I always took a liking to that. I, I just, the music I felt was so personal. And, like, rewind, you know, five years ago when I was playing college hockey, I was saying, what do I want to do from a custom mask? And I always thought, like... The best goalies, like the best style of goalies ever, always, they always had like a thing. You know, like Jose Theodore, my idol growing up, had the gargoyles. Mika Kiprasov, our boy, you know, Chad Kruger, he had the the skulls. Like Nabokov had the monster. Like, like guys had like a signature look. And I thought I should have a signature look if I want that thing going on. And I was like, well, the In Utero Angel on, on the In Utero album cover, I think is badass. I've never seen that done before. So why don't we make that my thing? And so then over the past, you know, four years, we've done like little changes, adding smiley faces here, adding some lyrics, kind of simplifying things down. And this year, it's basically two neutral angels, one on both sides. One is a purple and white, and the other is a black and purple one. So it just changes on both sides with a massive smiley face on the crown. So like when I dip my head down, I'm kind of like smiling at you, which is kind of ironic. Um, purple theme, white cage. Uh, if you look really closely on the chin, it just says, yeah. And the reason being is that it's themed after the song Lithium. And three quarters of the song is him saying, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Great song, by yeah. the way. And well, I thought, well, it, like. It, I, I don't know where you guys are in, um, because certain NHL teams are now doing individual uh, goal songs for players when they score. And so I'm thinking to myself, like, if you can get Scentless Apprentice or Francis Farmer, we'll have a revenge on Seattle from that In Utero album every time you're coming out onto the ice. How dope would that be? That would, that would be really kick-ass. Like the Scentless Apprentice, the... Uh, the drum beat that Dave came up. I mean, Dave came up with the, uh, or like Dave Grohl came up with the guitar lick for that too. Like that's, that'd be a, a kick-ass song to have. Um, but but back to the the, to the yeah thing, I, I thought that like Kirk was, or sorry, Kurt was like so simple in his approach. Like his lyrics could be interpreted so many ways. And I thought like, like how like true to Kurt would it be putting like just yeah on the chin? Because like what, like people are like, what does that mean? It's so simple. But like, if you understand Nirvana, you know what it means. Then obviously the, the backplate, I think is the star of the show. Just this incredible, um, just artwork of, of Kurt playing it live and loud, live and loud Seattle 93 with uh, some purple color in the background. Just a, uh, I think at the, at the time I was a little bit skeptical. I'm like, is it too much white? I think now it's, it's easily by far my favorite mask I've ever done. It, it looks so great. Well, I mean, it fits the theme perfectly with the rockers and the music and whatnot. And I'll I'll, I'll share a quick anecdote with you about uh, uh, my relationship with with Nirvana. Obviously, I was a teenager. That that's the age gap between you and I. But I was a teenager 
uh, listening to that on a disc man on road trips when we would go uh, when we go on road trips. And I had become a huge uh, Foo Fighter fan afterwards and met Dave Grohl a couple of times and the band and Taylor Hawkins. And they're just wonderful gentlemen. Rest in peace, Taylor Hawkins. But I, I, I remember this vividly. And this was even before the idea of radio even even, you know, entered into my head. But we were on the road. We were in St. Albert, Alberta, which is a bedroom community of, of Edmonton. And uh, we, we had, uh, I think we had just finished up morning skate and we were having some lunch, uh, team lunch, and I ran over to a payphone. Again, showing my age, had to run to a payphone. And there was a girl that I had went to uh, grade school with, and I, I, I called her up to see if she wanted to come to the game or hang out while I was in town. And her, her mother answered, and I said, hey, is Leslie there? And she said, no, she's not really taking calls right now. I said, oh, is everything okay? And she said, and keep in mind, this is before the internet. It hadn't hit the paper yet. She said, no, Kurt Cobain died today. And I had to go back to the table and explain to all my guys. I'm like, guys, guys, like, like get their attention. I'm like, hey, because we were all big fans. The majority of us, like 90% of us were all big Nirvana fans and make this announcement to my team and management that Kurt Cobain had taken his own life and he was dead. And I, I still remember that vividly because it's just so serendipitous for what I ended up going into as far as a career being a, you know, morning radio DJ talking about music and that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's uh, the, the, it, it's so strange because Dave Grohl even talked about when they would do Nirvana shows, when they started off small, it was, you know, the punks, they were doing this in Seattle, Washington. And then all of a sudden as their fame grew, and as you talked about, it was, it was a very quick meteoric rise to fame. They saw Jock showing up. Like and these, like these are the guys that used to beat us up in high school, and now they're showing up at the shows and they're headbanging along with everyone else. So, it, it believe me when I tell you, our locker room played that album in utero uh, for 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 dressing room music before games more than I can remember. It's a fantastic album. I really do think that if you're a true Nirvana fan, you would agree that in utero is better than Nevermind. Nevermind has bigger hits and, and a lot of really good songs as well, but like in utero is just. So fantastic. I, I will say as, as a little side note, um, 2019, April of 2019, when I was playing college hockey at Vancouver Island University in Nanaimo, it's only like four hours away from Seattle. For the 25th anniversary, I decided I was like, I want to go down to the house. I want to go pay my respects because I feel that like at the time, Kurt Cobain had you know changed my life, kind of saved my life and, and a lot of other things. And I was like, I, I feel like I, it's right to go and do that. And I remember you know my girlfriend at the time, we went together I remember, I remember just like turning the corner around and then boom, out, out of all this, the trees is the house where like he killed himself. Obviously, the, the uh, greenhouse where he did kill himself has, has been demolished ever since then, but the house is still there. And when like my eyes picked up, like there's the house, I, I got this like eerie, eerie feeling. And it got even like more eerie like as I would like walk up to the house and kind of like to the fencing and whatnot. And it, it sinks into like, like this is where he killed himself. Like this is like this is where things ended. Like the, the where grunge ended, where Nirvana ended, where like everything, like Kurt Cobain, his life ended. Like it was just a very very like I don't want to say creepy, but just like a very like eerie eerie feeling. I'll, I'll never forget that. It, it was cool to kind of see everything, kind of conceptualize it, but very um very very scary to. Well, no better way to wrap up a podcast than an eerie story before Halloween. Yes, uh, so next week's podcast, every Sunday we do new episodes of the podcast, Dave and I. Dave will be on holidays next week, slash at a wedding. And uh, Rob from Butt Ends will be doing an in-person podcast. He's going to be hanging out with me all weekend with the uh, with the Rockers here in Motor City. I uh, can't wait to see Rob. I, I haven't seen him in three years, so it's really, I'm really, really excited about that. Um, and folks, new podcast every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. in Winnipeg, 9 a.m. in Calgary, 8 a.m. on the West Coast, San Francisco, Vancouver, 
3 p.m., 4 p.m., sorry, in Sweden, 3 in the UK, 5 in Finland, 11 in China, 11 p.m. in China and Australia. The podcast is on Apple, Spotify. Leave us a review if you get a chance. We'd love to hear from you what you got to say on the Apple and Spotify reviews. If you're on the YouTube video version, hit the subscribe button. New podcast, the video version. You got to see my background at Goalie Coach Bill's Guest House, the Motor City Rockers apparel that I got, and Dave's brand new, somewhat barren, empty studio in Winnipeg. Later, y'all.